Uh, this is a place, and we say this often, where you can feel safe to process wherever you are on your, on your journey of faith. That if you are seeking who God is, if you're seeking to find who Jesus is and what he's all about, what his claims are all about, and this is a place where you can do that. And one of the things that we do every week is we look at a passage of Scripture in the Bible, okay, and we examine it. And I want to invite you to do the same, especially if you're, like, curious about Christianity. Um, we have a Bible for you that you can get at the end of the service. You can write that down. Read it for yourself. Ask questions just as we go through uh, this text. And, of course, today uh, what Jezebel just read, I mean, it's like it's an incredible promise at face value. Listen to this. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That's pretty wild, isn't it? That's an incredible promise that Jesus makes to us. And what he does is he emphasizes this idea of persistence. Everybody say persistence. Persistence. I'm going to show you why in just a moment. But just as I was preparing for this uh, message, I, I, <laughs> I read the words of this scholar who talks about the story of Howard Carter. And he was a British archaeologist who was obsessed about finding one more tomb in Egypt in 1922. Sidebar, how many of you like national treasure? Yes? <laughs> Praise God. God bless you. you uh, you're, the, you're the right people. Uh, it's absolutely... Find your people, friends. No, I'm kidding. No. Listen, um, Howard Carter, British archaeologist, he was like, he wanted to find one more tomb, especially in the place that, um, that they had already found like a ton of discoveries over hundreds, literally thousands of years. He, he felt like there was one more tomb, one more tomb. It was believed that nothing was left to be discovered uh, especially in this royal valley in Egypt where like ancient monarchs had been buried for over half a millennium. And so just with only a few scraps of evidence, here's what Carter does. Carter carries on this pursuit. He finances it privately because nobody feels like there's anything else to be discovered. Like the treasure's gone, dude. Deal with it. Twice during six years, he comes within two yards of the treasure. Finally, he finds it. His assistant says, can you see anything? And as Carter's eyes adjusted, he began to see. But he almost couldn't speak because what he saw was something that no other modern man had seen. He saw wooden animals, statues, chests, chariots, carved covers, vases, daggers, jewels, and a throne and a hand-carved coffin of a teenage king. You know what he stumbled upon? Because of his persistence, <laughs> he found the tomb of King Tut. It is the world's most exciting archaeological discovery. That great perseverance helped him to find this particular treasure. And one of the principles we learn in Scripture about God, especially when it comes to prayer, is that part of discovering some of God's treasures in the Bible are a consequence of persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. And if that's true, 
and you believe that God is who he says that he is and that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, then why don't we pray? Why don't we? Maybe uh, for some of us, we just don't, you know, we, you may be here, you, you may not believe in God. And today my hope is that you will gain a glimpse of just how personal God is, how he reveals himself in the scriptures to us. Maybe uh, you don't pray because you've asked God for certain things in life. Maybe there was a season of pain and what you prayed for never became a reality and you were disappointed. And maybe that's why you stopped praying. Maybe it's an intellectual reason. And you argue with yourself like, you know, the whole thing about, wait, why would I need to pray if God already knows what I'm asking and how is my prayer going to help to accomplish God's eternal purposes? And you're like, you're just like, I don't even know if I should pray. Wherever you find yourself this morning, in terms of talking to God, spending time with him in prayer. Man, I, I, I'm praying. I prayed for you. I prayed that God would, would refresh you today. That if you are faithless, that he would increase your faith today. That, that if you've lost hope, he would he would give you, he would breathe hope into you and that he would help us to grow in him and, uh, and help us to really understand what this promise is all about. Remember, uh, and, and some of you may not know this because you haven't been here, but we've been studying the most, famous the most famous person and his most famous sermon over the last, you know, however many weeks. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. And prayer is really important to him even on this most famous Sermon. Prayer was really important to Jesus. We see him praying in the New Testament a lot. He wakes up early to pray. He prays in secret. It's really interesting. For somebody who became the most important man in all of history, he spends a lot of time away from the limelight. In secret. Praying. He teaches his disciples how to pray. He emphasizes the importance of prayer. The early church we read in the book of Acts it's another book in the New Testament that talks about the story of the early church. We learned that the early church prayed. It was important to them. They were dependent on God. In Acts chapter 1, it says that they all joined together constantly in prayer. You, know, you, know, you want to know what the church was all about? Acts chapter 2, it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Acts chapter 4, they prayed for an outpouring of signs and wonders and persecution. In Acts chapter 6, uh, you know, the first couple of pastors of the church, uh, they uh, devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. In other words, prayer wasn't just preparation. You know how we do that with prayer? Before we do something for God, <laughs> we're like, okay, let me prepare by praying. Well, no, for them, prayer was the ministry. It was not only a means, but it was actually an end. Prayer. Prayer. Acts chapter 9, Peter prays for the sick. Acts chapter 12, the church prays for Peter to be released. In Acts chapter 13, they're praying when God raises up missionaries. In Acts chapter 14, they appointed elders through prayer. Prayer matters to God. You can find it all over the book of Acts. You can find it all over the scriptures. And it's just like I heard somebody once say, here's what it seems like now. What was fundamental for the early church has become supplemental for the Western church. What was fundamental for the early church has become supplemental to the Western church. Why? 
In Matthew chapter 7, we find this direct, straightforward invitation, okay? And here's what it is. Okay, here's the invitation. God wants us to pursue him with passionate, persevering prayer. He's inviting you into that, to pursue him with passionate, persevering prayer. Let's look back at that text, okay? Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this, Matthew chapter 7, ask, Jesus says, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Greek grammarians, they would name these three different verbs. Ask, seek, knock. This is, this is kind of cool. Geek out with me for a little bit. Um, they would call these present active imperative verbs. It's an imperative. It's a command. Jesus is saying, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. But it's a present active imperative. What does that mean? It's an emphasis. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. You feel lost? You feel like God is nowhere to be found? Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Learn this about prayer today. Persistence is required. Persistence is required. Not not the babbling that we learn about in Matthew chapter 6. God doesn't just want these ritualistic prayers devoid of intimacy. It's the total opposite. He wants this intimacy, and sometimes that's revealed in our persistence. Intimacy is sometimes revealed in our persistence. I think about my daughter, my oldest daughter. Um, she, she, she's like so persistent about that. I get her this like Fitbit, okay, right now. And I mean, she's wearing me down, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. Because she's been asking persistently for a year. She's been asking for it. Why? <laughs> I've told her no many times. <laughs> I have this weird, you know, thing about technology and kids, and no, you're not getting one until you're like 15, okay? <laughs> Persistence. She's able to do that because we have intimacy with one another. And when she asks me, you know what? It helps me to understand her desires. It helps me to understand where she's coming from. Why does she want something like this? Persistence with God fosters intimacy. God wants you and me to ask him. Ask him. Take him at his word. He says, ask, ask, and you will receive. I love what Paul Miller writes in his book, A Praying Life. I recommend it. It's incredible. He says, all of Jesus' teaching on prayer in the Gospels can be summarized with one word. Ask. Ask. Why? Because asking God acknowledges a couple of truths, that you're dependent and that God is able. You're dependent on him. And God is able. This is an exercise in faith. I remember in 2019, okay, January 20th, 2019, we're in Chicago. January 20th in Chicago, by the way, is extremely cold, okay? That's not the reason we moved to Miami, by the way, but it was cold on this day, and we had been praying about starting a church. And so, um, that was the day that the Lord confirmed our call to plant a church in Miami. And we told people, and it was wild, and like it was like this journey of faith. And we're like, okay, we're, 
We're going to do this. We're moving back down to Miami. I don't know how. I had a part-time job. I was going to seminary full-time. Two days later, uh, you know what we do? We look in realtor.com. And I'm looking at those prices of homes in Miami. And I'm like, how are we going to do this, man? I don't know if he called me back to Miami. I don't know if we're coming back. But you know what we did during that time? We prayed. We prayed. We prayed that God would provide a home for us so that we can accomplish the work that we believe he had called us to accomplish. To start a church here in Miami. Well, on the third day, this is so wild, fam. Okay, and I hope it encourages. We got a couple of church planners in the room, by the way. Okay, a couple of people that are starting churches in Portland, Los Angeles, and Indianapolis. You better give it up for them big time right now. Come on, man. Okay. And, and guys, this was so cool. Look at what God does. On the third day, after praying that prayer, after being totally disappointed, that's sometimes like what faith does. I'm like, on Sunday, I was on fire. On Monday, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. On Tuesday, it's like, oh, crap, what are we doing? I just told 10 people. <laughs> I looked at realtor.com. I'm like, no way, no way. On Wednesday, after we had been, begun to pray, here's what happens. We get a call from somebody in Miami that was praying for us. And she says to us, hey, Carlos, Cassie, I want to introduce you to somebody who has a home that they are buying for church planners. I meet this person over the phone. It was so crazy. I meet this person over the phone. I, know, I don't know who they are. They don't know who I am. At the end of the conversation, I haven't done one like assessment or they don't know me. And they're like, dude, I think you're the perfect person for this home that we still haven't bought. But we're about to purchase and you can move down in the summer. We asked. We asked. We asked God and he provided a place for us to come to. We didn't have everything figured out, but at least we knew we had a home. Asking reminds us that we're dependent on God and that God is able. But you might say, how do we ask, right? Because can I just ask like random things, you know? Is God like a little genie, you know? He gives us three wishes, you know, over the lifetime. Okay, this one time. This is what James says, okay? And, and, and there are two dangers in, um, as it relates to this, right? The, the number one danger is not asking. Like some of you, you stopped asking God for things. For some reason, you just stopped asking. You stopped, like, you, you, you begin to function as if though God exists, but he's not really involved in the intimate details of your life. James helps us with this. He says this, you do not have because you don't ask. You don't ask. Sometimes you may feel like you have to clean up your desires before you go to God. Have you ever felt that? Like, man, I really want this, but man, is that holy? And does that contribute to God's purposes? And I don't know. You know what? I'm not even going to ask him. You're his child. Ask. Ask. Now, there is a wrong way of asking in the scriptures, okay? But, but I want to emphasize, especially if you're not praying right now. Ask. Ask. We are not deists, okay? Everybody say deists. Deism, right, is this belief that God is sort of like a watchmaker and he put the world in motion and he gave us tools, but he's disconnected now. We just kind of function within the rules that God put in place, but that's not God. That kind of belief 
We, we be, when we think about God that way, we begin to function in our life as if though God is uninvolved and it's really up to us. And maybe that's why it's so important to see God as a father. Right? That's one of the reasons some of us may not pray is because like you're walking through life and you're seeing people who are not Christians get the things that you want. And you're like, why, why am I going to ask? Like, why am I going to ask about this job? Because like, how do you get a great job? Well, you get to know some really good people. You work really hard, you get a good job, right? A farmer may say, you know what? I want a good crop. Okay, he's working down on the redlands. And he's like, you know what? We, we got to get this crop by working on a field. If a baby's going to be delivered, guess what? We're going to need a doctor in the room. That's why people make fun sometimes of the hashtag thoughts and prayers. But there's a distinction in this text that I want you to see. There's a reason why Jesus emphasizes this idea of being a father. Okay, And I love the distinction that this dude called John Stott makes. He says there's a difference between seeing God as a creator and seeing God as a father. Okay, Watch this. God, I almost thought about this. Anyways, um, God, <laughs> I tried the self-control. Uh, so God is a creator. He provides things for every human being, whether or not they believe in him or not. As a creator, like the rain, uh, it rains on the just and unjust, it says in the scripture. So you work and you do really cool things. And God gives you opportunities. And regardless of whether or not you believe in Jesus today, like you can do things. You can accomplish certain things. But there are certain gifts in the scripture, redemptive gifts, that you can only get by praying. You only get them by praying. For instance, you only get to have a relationship with God and saving faith by calling on his name. The book of Romans says this. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How do you get saving faith? You call on the name of the Lord. You pray. How do you get ongoing forgiveness? Well, there's nothing you can do to get that. It says in the scriptures in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do you get wisdom? You get wisdom by asking God for wisdom. It says in the book of James, it comes down from above. So we ask God, we don't treat him like a cosmic genie. We don't try to pray to bend his will to ours, but we ask we ask, we ask. One of the dangers in prayer is actually not asking. Have you been asking God? Have you been talking to him about what your desires are? About what you want to see in your life? James says this also, you, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. What's James talking about? Prayer is not just merely transactional. If you wanted to understand what prayer looks like in the life of a Christian, we look at Jesus' life. This is a great example in Mark chapter 14. You following me? Check this out. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he goes to the cross, and he says this, Abba, Father. Think about how personal that is. That's like, like, that's like saying Papi, right? Abba, all things are possible for you. In other words, Jesus says, I know you can do anything you want. You are able, and I'm dependent. Take this cup away from me. In other words, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go to the cross. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. 
Do you see how personal Jesus is in that prayer? He asks, he's humble, he expresses his emotion, he doesn't try to manipulate the Father. But how does God answer Jesus' prayer? He says no. Or he doesn't. He goes to the cross. You see, when we pray, God answers our prayers in two different ways. And, and people have talked about this for, for, for years. He either diminishes a burden or he increases our strength. When you ask, okay, God's going to either diminish a burden or he's going to increase our strength. Some of you may pray, man, I, God, I don't want to be single, Lord. I don't want to be single for the rest of my life. I want to find another mate. I need someone in my life. And you pray, and God will either diminish your burden or he will increase your strength. God, would you please heal me from this ailment? God, I've been suffering for years. The best example of this is we find in Paul. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about how he had been praying for seasons, for years, that God would remove this thorn from his side. It could have been a, a sinful tendency, maybe an ailment, a sickness. And you know what God says? My power, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. What did he do? He strengthened him. He didn't diminish the burden, but he increased his strength. Ask, ask. Why do we ask? Why do we ask? We ask because we're dependent on God and we confess that he's able. But then he says, seek, 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 and you will find. This is a promise all over the Bible. It says in the book of Jeremiah, you will seek me. This is what God says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added to you. What are you seeking? Who are you seeking? What, what is this text teaching us about God? It's teaching us, listen, God wants to be found. He's not hiding. God is near. Not only is he able, God is also close. He is near. The book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What are you doing when you're praying? You know what you're doing is you're exercising your faith. You're choosing to trust God when you pray. It says this, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Seek him. Seeking God helps us to exercise our faith. And some of you who are seeking him today, maybe, maybe dude, maybe you said, God, speak to me. Speak to me. I want to encourage you to be persistent in seeking God. Part of the reason we seek him diligently within this context of the sermon is because we acknowledge, I don't know if you remember this, for those of you who have been here, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, there's these Beatitudes. And do you remember the first Beatitude? I don't remember. Let me see. I'm kidding. <laughs> the first, be listen, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's such a key in this entire sermon. Once you realize that you need God, that you are like, you need him. You're desperate for him. Once you realize this, once you realize everything that we've studied, like how are you gonna be a person that doesn't judge? How are you gonna overcome lust? How are you going to not be angry? How are you going to, like all of these things that Jesus talks about, these essentially standards of Christian life, 
How are you going to get those? Well, Jesus answers it right here. Ask. Ask and you will receive. Seek. Seek him. And you will find we seek his face. We seek intimacy with him. David writes this, the psalmist, greatest king in all of Israel. He says, I've asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. One of the temptations, maybe for us here in the West, this is certainly a temptation for me, is to intellectualize our faith. In seeking the Lord. When we say seek the Lord, some of you maybe here like read books. That's what it means sometimes to me. I'm going to seek God. Books. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, like that math. And, and, and part of the way you seek the Lord, mainly here, is Jesus saying, it's through prayer. That's the hard work. It's not just reading about him. I want you to imagine you come to my house and we're hanging out and you're sitting down on the couch and all of a sudden I say, you know, um, Pupo, I'll be like, uh, you're like, dude, how's your marriage? And I'm like, dude, it's, it's amazing, bro. Look at all these books I've been reading. <laughs> Look at these principles. It's crazy, you know? And you're like, man, that's, that's amazing. What? So, so what are you learning? And what are you, what are you doing here? Like, how are you implementing these things? And I'm like, I haven't. Uh, but it's, it's incredible. It's been amazing, right? It's, I've learned a lot about marriage. <laughs> What's the problem with that? You're not actually, you're not doing anything. <laughs> you're just learning about, you're just learning about God, but you're not, you're not learning Christ. You're not learning him. Spending time with him, seeking his face. Listen, one of the things we learn here is that not only God is able, okay, but he's close. He is near, and he rewards those who seek him. If you hear me say anything today, listen, is that God wants your heart, and he's close. He's closer than you think. So he's able, he's near, but not only that, we learn that he's willing. God is actually willing. He's willing. Knock, Jesus says, and the door will be opened to you. There's a famous preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon. And when he, he, he talks about this particular verse, and he says that, that you should imagine a person that's walking through the snow. Like you're in the snow, and, and it's a huge snow. Oh, actually, let's make it relevant. Let's make it free. You're in the Everglades, right? And it's crazy. And it's raining, and it's pouring down rain. And I don't know why you would be out there, but you are there, okay? And you're out there in the Everglades, and it's raining, and it's cold because it's, it's, it's January. And, and you don't know where to go, and suddenly you find this, um, this shack, and there's a light inside. And he says, you should imagine a room with a light on in the middle of a snowstorm, right? And it's not like, it's not like this polite knocking, like, hello, you know? It's like... Boom, boom, I need to get in. I'm not, people are listening. You're knocking on the door, and guess what? God says that He's willing, like you're desperate, right, to get this breakthrough, to pray for this. I want to know you. I'm knocking on the door. I'm desperate for you, uh, God. It's a progression here in this text it's asking, 
Then it's ratcheted up to seeking. And then it's like, dude, I got to knock down this door because we're desperate for him. When's the last time that you had this hunger for God? That you were desperate for him to, 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 to do something in your life? To help you heal in a particular area of your emotions or your body or when you think about your neighbors and your family members. Like, like when is the last time you've been desperate for God to move in the church? He says, you can knock and he will open. You have this access to God's power and he wants you to pray persistently about it. Let me ask you, what have you stopped praying for? If you've been a follower of Jesus, maybe at some point in your life, you were like, man, I was in youth group, dude, I was on fire. <laughs> and now it's like five years later and you're like, I hope I'm a Christian. <laughs> I've been there. It's a real thing. And a journey of faith. What oftentimes happens is somebody gives their life to Jesus and they still don't understand maybe what the gospel is and and they're kind of on fire, and then they burnt out, and then like, now they're not even praying anymore. Why? What have you stopped praying for? Have you stopped praying for, for that prodigal, right, for that person in your family? You feel like they'll never um, come to know who Jesus is. Have you stopped praying about relationships being reconciled? You feel like there's no hope of forgiveness. Have you stopped praying about a struggle maybe with a sin? Have you stopped praying about what God wants you to do in your life? About that calling, you know, that he gave you one time? But maybe you failed. And Have you stopped praying about that? Because God invites you today. Ask, seek, knock. And here's why. He says, who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If then... And Jesus is so straight up right here. Look at this. If you who then are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The main contrast in this text, the, like the, the, the biggest punch, okay, it's this driving metaphor. Like, guess what? You, like, you're sinful. Jesus says, like, you who are evil, like, I came to rescue you. You know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more is your heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts? You know what we learn, man? We learn here in this text, God is able, God is willing, God is near. And, and maybe most important of all here in prayer is that God is a good father. God is a good father. He, he, the most important thing that Jesus wants you to learn about prayer, how does the Lord's Prayer begin. Our Father, right? Our Father. The most important thing Jesus wants you to know is that God is your Father. So what comes to your mind when you pray? What image do you, do you get? That's going to make or break your prayer life. John Tyson says this, unless you break the stronghold of false images of God in your mind, you'll never be drawn to prayer. If you think of God as this busy CEO, or if you think of God as like an energy force, that's very common in Miami, by the way. You'll never want to pray. Why? Why would you? 
You want to see God as a father who's loving. That can be very difficult for some of us. But once that happens in your life, you actually want to hang out with him. You want to be with him. So Jesus tells us, ask, seek, and find. And, but you know what's interesting about Jesus? He, he invites us to do this, but he actually does this first himself. It says in the scriptures that he actually is before the throne room of heaven, being an advocate for us, praying for us. Jesus actually himself, you know what he says? That he, he sought us first. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. You know how he did it? He came down and he lived the life that you could not live. And he, like, he, he purchased you through the power of his blood in the cross. He died for your sins so that you can get close. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. If you're lost today, if you feel lost, Jesus came for you. He invites you to seek him, but he sought you first. Not only that, you know what it says in the book of Revelations? He also knocks. <laughs> he knocks on the door of your heart. He says this, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus has been knocking on some of your doors. He's been like, hello, I'm seeking you. I'm here, right? He says in John chapter 10, I am the door. And anyone who will open the door, I will eat with him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever prays to God, if you're here and somehow you've been faltering in your faith and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing with life, but I'm here and I believe that God is pursuing me. Jesus says, I, listen, I am the door. If you invite me into your life, if you follow me, I will change you. I will transform you. I will save you from your sin. So what do, we, what do we do with this? Ask, seek, and knock. What's God calling us to as a church? What's he calling you as an individual? God wants us to pursue him with passionate, persevering prayer. I heard the story of uh, one tribe of Native Americans who had this unique practice for training their teenage sons. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, he was placed on this dense forest, and he would spend the entire night in the forest alone. Until then, that boy had never been away from the security of his family and his tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded, and he was taken away miles away. And when he took off his blindfold, he was in the middle of thick woods by himself all night long. You can imagine every time a twig snapped, he probably visualized an animal ready to like pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind blew, he wondered what more sinister sound it masked. No doubt, it was a terrifying night for many boys. Now, after what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest and looking around the boy would see flowers and trees and the outline of the path and then to his utter astonishment 
he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. And it was the boy's father who had been there all night long. When you enter into this journey of seeking God, what you encounter at the end of him saying, ask, seek, and knock, is that he's been there all along. That he's not only been waiting for you, but he's actually been the one inviting you, finding you, so that you could respond to his invitation. What is that invitation for some of you today? What is that? Maybe for some of you, you, your invitation today is actually to take him at his word. To actually believe that he can change your life. You, you may be here and you still have not given your life over to Jesus Christ. And Jesus invites you today to fully and finally, like, I'm going to lay this down and I'm going to follow you. Maybe for some of you is an opportunity, a reminder today to continue asking. What are the things that you want to pray for, that you stop praying for? If you're in pain, this is an opportunity to draw close to God and to ask him to heal you. If you've been disappointed, why don't you talk to him this morning? If you've been discouraged, if, if you've been inactive on the sidelines... If God's given you a calling, maybe this is an opportunity to, to re-engage and, and actually exercise your faith this morning. This might be an opportunity for you to pray for those, like pray for your neighbors. Who are the people far from God that are close to you? You have been positioned in a particular place for a particular time, for a season as this. Who are those people? If God were to answer your prayers, would anything in this city change? Maybe this is an opportunity for you to re-engage in that. This is an opportunity for us to pray as a church. I don't know about you, man, but I'm praying that God would move among us in a mighty way. Amen. That he would do something, and he would continue really to do something special in our midst. That because this church was started here, that people's lives would be changed. That disciples would be made. And that the city would be better off because we were actually here. So here's what I want to do. The worship team is going to sing this song. And I don't know what your uh, strongholds are personally. Uh, maybe there's some things around the way that you view God. There's a, there's a line in the song that says, uh, shake up the ground of all my traditions. It doesn't mean that all of our traditions are bad as Christians, but there might be some things in your, in your way of walking with God okay, that have been holding you back from actually experiencing him there might be some religiosity in your heart the way that you view God it's not this dynamic relationship but it's more like well uh, you know God is there and I pray I'm just going to be faithful but God is inviting you to something deeper to an intimate relationship with him and I'm asking God to meet us in this place wherever you are if you're able to I'm going to ask you to stand now we're going to pray I'm going to pray for us and as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to ask, to seek, to knock. If you have a piece of paper in your cell phone, I want to encourage you to write it down. What is it? 
What is that desire in your heart that you want to ask God for today? How do you want to seek him today? Let's pray together. Father, we honor you. We thank you, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that we might be united to you, close to you, God, in relationship, Lord. Father, I pray today that you would restore the faith of many, Lord. I pray, Father, that some would come to faith today, Lord, Father, that they would seek you, Lord. I pray that you would give us the courage, Lord, to trust you today, to ask boldly before the throne, God. Because of the blood of Jesus, we're able to do that today, God. We want to make this space, Lord, to seek after you this morning. Please, God, do a work in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay down. What is it that you got to lay down before the Lord? All I'm chasing. This is my surrender. This is my Father, we pray, Lord, this morning, God, we worship you. We honor you, Lord. I want to pray right now, God. Please, even if you're standing up, listen, if you're standing up right now and you're here and you want to trust in Jesus, you want to follow him, why don't you call on him right now? Just like we read in the scripture, it says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's you. You want a relationship with him. Why don't you tell him right now, God, I want a relationship with you. I want to follow you, God. I'm willing to go wherever you send me, God. I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do. I surrender my life to you this morning. Why don't you invite him right now? Why don't you ask him that? Maybe for those of you who are discouraged, you say, hey, Pastor Carlos, you know what? I'm discouraged this morning. Why don't, you, why don't you pray right now? We're going to sing that song one more time. Why don't you just speak it out to God? God, I'm discouraged about this. I'm discouraged about what's happening in my family or at work or myself, God, and my body, Lord, whatever it may be, why don't you tell God right now, Lord? God, please, Lord, we come before you. We need you. We declare that this morning. Maybe for some of you it's a calling, Lord, that you've, been, that you've given up on life. And today God wants to re-engage your faith so that you actually believe he says who he says he is. Why don't you tell him, God, I need more of you. Ignite my faith, my belief in you. Help me to exercise my faith, Lord. I commit my ways to you. Maybe there's a sin that you need freedom from. And you go, why don't we sing that with just one more time? And I will make room. today, Lord. I pray you would fill this church, fill us with courage. Holy Spirit, please, we declare today that we are dependent on you and that you're able, you're near, you're willing, and best of all, you're a good father, Lord. Please, Jesus, would you continue to do our work in our hearts, Lord in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't we give God some praise this morning?